Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Mary, not contrary. Victoria Littler, V Littler on the Twitter. Vicky Cole. Sophie Rido. And we're here in Toronto, and we're going to sing you a Dumpty Dum. One, two, three, so we've just had three very large gin and tonics that we think are Lillian sized, and we have one prediction that the bunting will turn up and Harrison will use that as an impetus to have a wedding proposal because they must have a very special celebration where they can use the bunting. And that's all we came up with. Ciao. Bye. Hi. Bye. This is Dum Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the overprivileged Oxbridge undergraduate that is Royfield Brown. I should wish. I should wish. I went to Northbrook. It's appalling. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't finish that. They kicked me out. <laughs> and with Why did me, they kick you out? Uh, I didn't really do a stitch of work. Well, I did, ah. but it was too little too late. Ah. I was I was resting on my genius and not actually doing ah. any work. Right. And uh, dare I say, I was spending time DJing with the ladies. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And with me, I have the part-time job filling cowpats. That is... Filing cowpats. Oh, there you go. That's another reason why I didn't finish my poly. Yeah. Couldn't read for Jack. <laughs> but who are you? Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Phoebe's transformation into Kate, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum is from the mini Toronto meetup. But, Lucy, if somebody would like to send us a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or think that one six-year-old ISA and nine grand is going to be enough for a deposit on a picturesque country cottage in a sought-after rural area, then call us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs and to Derek for doing the back bedroom. Derek went to Pride by mistake this weekend because uh, he thought it was a march against haemophilia. Anyway, he had a lovely time. Uh, he has a new friend <laughs> called Terry, and he does want to know if anyone knows if rainbow glitter reacts with anusol. If anyone has any advice, <laughs> please let us know, and we'll pass it on. Thank God. 
on this week's episode, we have calls from Glenn Fuller Love, who thinks Will Grundy's an ass. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a very long line of people yeah. with that sentence. Uncontroversial Glenn. there, Glenn, I think. Mm. <laughs> but I do think it's a genius little bit of writing, but we'll come on to that later. Witherspoon, who's been struggling to keep up with Phoebe. New York Nigel, who's lost the will to live. Louise Lombard, who loves the fate worse than death, and Lord Louise, who foresees a pyrrhic victory for Will. Ooh, good heavens, we've got loads of calls all of a sudden. Uh, I know, but two of them are emails. Ah. So when I said, oh, we have views. So I see, I didn't read that. Yeah, yeah, that's why they pay me the big money, see? Jojo Sexy Hills, who thinks Bridge Farm may be fermentating PR problems. Rachel Thomas, who thinks Jenny Darling's colluding. And Vicky Cole, who says scruff gin isn't worth the water it's made of. But first, before all the good stuff, before the emails, before the controversial views, it's Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge. We started the week with Fallon and Harassment house hunting online. They found something large, vacant and double fronted with a prominent back end entrance. But that turned out to be Tracy Horribin's Tinder profile. <laughs> Will, had a, <laughs> Will had a personal conversation with the Darrington captain. Ooh, mixing with the big boys now, Will. Harassment got caught out about his massive whopper. He really has to stop showering at the bull. Will said it's up to <laughs> us to make a stand. Will is in a competition with himself to see how many A's he can get in any given word. We've got to make a stand about harassment. He approached village wise woman Neil, who sat pondering like Gandhi about it, and then decided that, yes, having looked at everything from a 360 degree angle, climbed a pole and sat at the top of it for a fortnight, he'd come to the conclusion that, yes, Will was right, and they should indeed make a stand. <laughs> Hugo Smelling is coming to Gay Grables to have a very important and special meeting about coconutting. It is very important that no one earwigs and spreads lots of confidential financial information. Very, very important. Susan's waitressing for the evening. <laughs> Justin had a round of golf with Latif. Well played, Latif. Tell us your news, Latif. This is Latif I'm playing golf with, everybody. He's getting matey with Hugo Smelling. Who are these people? The Kate Brat gene seems to be coming out in Phoebe, unfortunately. Her father suggested she had a slap-up afternoon's entertainment on the seven quid he'd just given her. And astonishingly, she wasn't able to. <laughs> her father suggested that Phoebe could get a job as a chambermaid, and Phoebe reacted as if Roy had urged her to put an ad for massage services in the post box on the green. However, there was no need for that, because in the age-old tradition of Ambridge, she trotted off to an elderly matriarch and wheedled the cash out of her instead. She did this by saying... Mm. I've got a real problem, Granny, which set Jenny Darling up to think she'd got pregnant by an itinerant bricklayer. But the real problem turned out to be, I'm an Aldridge and I don't want to get a job. However, Roy did his, his, when I were a lad, talk to her and Jennifer, and they've come to the open and honest decision that Phoebes will get her arse down the polytunnels and earn an honest living supplemented by secret checks from Jenny Darling. Ah, the Aldridges. Never, ever <laughs> straightforward. Matt popped in to see Auntie Cardboard and Piggy. Auntie Cardboard got a little bit coy with Tiger, but Piggy went full on Lady Bracknell. I'm fine, thank you. As the final insult to injury, Hilda Ogden made a grab for Matt's knackers and he hurried off. <laughs> Apparently, 
Justin does not know that Linda is 70. This just seems extraordinary to me. Has he never had to apply for anything on her behalf? looked at her passport or her driving license. However, it sets us up nicely for Lillian to have a meltdown about her birthday, which I'm confidently prophesying will end up with some sort of Matt snog situation. You see, Matt noticed straight away that she'd had her hair cut, whereas mm. she had to wave her head about in front of Justin before he even noticed she had her head, just saying. Brian, in a touching belief in the triumph of hope over experience, has asked Furman Tom if he will be Rory's attorney. God help us, they'd have been better off appointing Hilda Ogden. Pat was <laughs> upbeat about the whole thing, of course. Don't be flattered, Tom. He's picked you because you're as thick as pig shit and easily manipulated. But well done you, though, dear. Soup. Helen's <laughs> titchner Chalegio has gone off, apparently. Gone off? It's cheese. It's already gone off. Uh, the fate has got all behind. No one's even asked Alan whether he wants to be dunked. I shouldn't think he does, though. Who would? Linda has handed over the reins to Fallon, which means the whole thing will feature scones heavily and have a soundtrack by the ink spots. Guess the weight of the scone, pin the scone on the scone, hunt the scone and find the fucking bunting. Lillian and Linda <laughs> did speed watch together and attempted to make up by Lillian calling Linda a troll and Linda calling Lillian a geriatric. Regarding speed watch, I'm not sure speed watch people should be so disappointed when people drive at a cautious manner through the village. Linda sounds completely devastated when anyone drives past without a cat whizzing round on their offside tyre. <laughs> of all the people to impress with the Duxford sisters, Brian attempted to show off to Jill, the living Marxist. Jill was having none of it as she was too busy at the Filthy Fingers Cafe making everyone eat parsnip fricassee that she'd fished out the bin behind the feathers. She then began instituting class war among the over-sixties. She was handing out leaflets to people urging them to overthrow all queen bees and take back the means of production. <laughs> so, after the boost from his mama, Furman Tom has turned down the offer from Brian to be his lapdog and lickspittle and has refused to represent Rory's interests in the home farm deal. I'm too close to you all, Uncle Brian, said Furman Tom. You've shafted me every single way possible, Uncle Brian. I've just been basically spit-roasted by Auntie Lillian's current boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend, and I've never even seen Rory because you and Auntie Jennifer keep him in a cupboard. You see, that kind of family loyalty <laughs> might get in the way. But thanks, though. I'm very flattered. Bye! The end. Monkey glands. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, tiger. <laughs> Are you turning into Alistair? Horse paintings! <laughs> Why are you suddenly shouting monkey glands? Because... That's what Brian That's what said. Brian that said. I know. yeah, yeah, I didn't. I nearly lost all control of my bowels. I laughed that hard. <laughs> my favourite bit was when Brian said, "Of course, I, I also don't look my age. I mean, I don't." <laughs> Brian, it's not about you, you great dickhead. <laughs> right then. Do so. you think you'd ever successfully be able to keep your age quiet from your other half? I don't see the point. If you did see the point, I mean, you are a bit funny about how old you are, aren't you? No, I'm not funny but... about it. I just, I can't believe I'm as old as I am. There you go. You're funny about it then. No, but I, well, if somebody asks me my age, I'll tell them. It's not like okay. it's a secret. What are you? 48. <laughs> there you go. You asked me, I told you. <laughs> you just edited it out though, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I must admit, I've never been able to understand, and this is something i think this is a, a generational thing this whole thing of women not being able to tell people their age 
I, I don't believe that people my age and younger do this anymore. Mm. But maybe I'm wrong. Mm. Maybe you went, hmm, tells well, me that you've told the odd little fib about your age or something. No, no, I haven't, because I think I look every millisecond of mine. But I do have clients who have an age and a media age. Well, that I more then, understand. That's, that That's more understandable, yeah. because... You, in the media, you've got to be a certain age, you've got to be young, haven't you? And yeah. seem to be, uh, you know, spry and whatever. But in the real world, yeah. I, I do not understand why anybody lies about their age anymore. I, yeah. I, I, just, I just don't get it. I just think it's a generational and, and, and a class thing. And yeah. uh, I just, the whole storyline is just beggar's belief to, to me. It'd be one thing if she was going on Tinder or plenty of fish, and she lied about rage. She took five years off. And I go, okay, yeah. fair enough, right? But she's getting married to this man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, just bonkers. <laughs> I will share everything with you, other than me age, of course. The truth about who I am. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll wash your underpants and whatever, but no, you don't know my age is bonkers. But anyway, hmm. So, what do you reckon? to uh Lillian and our Matt that that little that little scene right at the end last week should we do should we talk about that in the calls because loads Ooh, of people right, have then. talked okay. about right. the, no just because we've got so many Oops. we've now got so many oh and can I just say thank you uh everybody for rallying to the cause and uh responding to my to my tweet and saying okay I will call in uh, especially if you were pissed, basically. So, so <laughs> well done, New York, Nigel. Thank you. That's the power of the, of, of the Dumpty Dum family. It's the comedian wine slightly too heavily there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. So, who's first, Lucille? Oh, it's New York Nigel, actually. Let's play him first. Hello, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Nigel here calling in at New York time in the evening. Little horse after presiding at two services and singing and dancing and, you know, maybe drinking a bit at our annual Bastille Day celebrations at the French church. Two things. Number one, I just don't understand Will. I know how he was damaged by Emma, about how his family could be perhaps an embarrassment to him in some obscure way. I get the whole business with his much nicer brother. Is he just too conservative and class-bound to have social pretensions like his mother-in-law Susan? Or is he driven by some sort of moral crusade? You know, who cares? He's just Mr. Cardboard. Every time he's involved in a story, it's like, I don't know, someone farted in a confined space. Hugely bored by the cricket story, not just because it's about cricket, but because it's about Will. I'd like it a lot more if Nick was involved in this story. Emma's decision to be with Ed instead of with him is the only reason I like Emma of the Durbervilles and a whole bunch of chicken factory dreams. Number two, leave Lillian alone. 
I know what's the problem with that Justin. He's just a kitsch banker. That's it. Justin's sentimentality is the sum total of his romantic potential. So finding it a bit hard to balance all of this out in the end. Is Lillian a seasoned woman looking for a comfortable but vaguely interesting conclusion to a busy life? Is Matt some disappointed seedy Lothario who drive Lillian off a cliff in a blaze of glory? Neither one of those men is giving Lillian full range to her personality in the end. We've ended up seeing one of the most powerful women characters in The Archers solely through men's eyes. But she doesn't have a story of her own. So why can't you leave her alone with a bottle of bubbly and a nice bottle of chocolates? Box chocolates, I mean. Yeah, there's the wine drinking. Oh, speaking. Okay. I'm heading for the Elka Seltzer and a nice lie down. Yes. Emma of the Durbervilles at the Chicken Factory. Very good. Um, do you know what? I think that Matt, the Matt thing. Mm-hmm. I think, yes, I agree with New York Nigel. Justin has got sentimentality and he just wants a wife because he just thinks he should have one. Matt and Lillian have got passion. She wouldn't hate him with the ferocity that she does if there wasn't still something there. And in an ideal world, New York Nigel, I agree that she would be happy by herself. But the thing is, it's Lillian that looks at herself through men's eyes. It's not the scriptwriters. Sorry, I've just realised I've gone completely meta now. It's completely true to form that Lillian would not suddenly sort of discover herself as her own woman and, and you know, start doing things for herself and, and think, I'm happy, I don't need anybody. The reason there's all this bollocks about how old she is and the reason that she's obsessed with how, you know, how she looks and everything else is genuinely because she only she looks at herself through a bloke's eyes all the time. No, it's not just that, though. It's not just that because she wouldn't give a rat's ass about Linda knowing her age. There is a competitiveness with her. And also she is worried about about ageing. There's a competitiveness with her with other women, sorry. That's what I I, I I didn't finish off by saying. Because she wouldn't care about Linda knowing her age otherwise. She wouldn't but care at all. But she's only worried about Linda knowing because she thinks Linda's going to tell Matt. I mean, Justin. Okay, but then if she didn't care, she'd say, well, Linda, I just went down to London and had some monkey glands inserted. But all mm. that is a lie as well. You know, even Jennifer doesn't really know. Jennifer ju- has just worked it out. She she would just say to Jennifer, yeah. yeah, I'm having this work done, so what? Yeah. And then her hair is a cover, isn't it? Oh, I've just had my hair yeah. done at Fabrice's in, in London or whatever the hell, wherever mm. the hell she goes down there. But no, she is, she's always gone for, not, not always, quite often gone for younger, younger men. Yeah. She's paranoid about her age, but also with how she appears uh, with other women. You know, because she wasn't exactly happy with being a grandmother, was she? There was no, some, there was true. something yeah. around that yeah. about being yeah, called no, granny or something. Yeah. Like, I can't quite yeah. remember. So it's not just her comparing herself, you know, to men as a sexual object. It's her as an aging object. Yeah. Oh, an aging object. That doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> well, we all are, aren't we? I know. You know? I'm know. having me little mini crisis because I can't believe little old Royfield's going to be 50 in a couple of years. You know, it's a it's a it's a blooming disgrace. However, you know, it's just a fact. It's better than the alternative. Let's face it. <laughs> what's what's the alternative? Well, not not be- being 
dying at the age of 49. That's much worse. Um, yes. Yes, I do. Yes. Oh, poor Lillian. But... Ugh. She's anything but poor. I know. I just can't... I cannot see how this is going to end well. Even if she goes off with Matt... Lillian and Men is just never going to end well. Whatever it is, it's not going to end well. You know, but at I... least Matt is her equal. Mm. Justin's not. In what way is Justin not? Other than financially. He hasn't he's not as witty as her, he's not funny, he's kind of Yeah, but he's a bit more stable though, isn't he? <sighs> but he lies to her as well. Does he? Don't mm. doesn't everyone Sorry. lie to everybody? Okay. No. No, everyone does not lie to everybody. But he said, you know, like he said, oh, I haven't paid, I haven't paid James off to 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 go home, oh, and but... he could have just said he had. Oh, but come on, come on. Oh, I suppose Matt lied to her as well. <laughs> come on, Matt. Yeah, you and know, he, he took half her money, and ran away. Well, well, all her money, all her money. money, exactly. Yeah, all right. Then. But I think it's oh, very, very significant this revelation that Lou Justin's saying, oh. I think Matt's more involved in this horse race, Tom Foolery of a storyline, um, than he's letting on because he's properly cashed up, isn't he? Not only yeah. staying at Grey Gables and with his investor, uh, and his Bentley thing, and his Bentley, but he's just whacking over checks for twenty grand a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but who in their right mind would invest in Matt? He's got absolutely no track record in horse well. racing at all. But he's, he's somewhat charismatic and you can imagine, you know, he's halfway across the world and he's speaking to a couple of other somewhat shady businessmen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got a few contacts. He can name drop a little. And yeah, that bit, I understand. It's when he comes back to the UK. I don't understand why anybody would do do business with him. Yeah. I, lo- I love the way Tom, the silly ass, goes around to Justin and says, you know, you know, you know, Matt, Justin, you know, Matt. Actually, he's not very nice at all. <laughs> I know this might come as a real surprise to you, but honestly, honestly, he's really, really horrid. Anyway, bye. <laughs> yeah, even just, now, Tom. Just thought I'd tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot, you know, even now, Tom, you cannot resist thinking that you know something everyone else doesn't know. Even now, you can't believe that people don't already know things, you know. <laughs> but I did love that chat. Nobody can put Tom back in his box better than Matt. I love the way when Tom's on that phone call to Brian going, um, so I can't anyway be your attorney. Sorry, Brian. I have thought about it. I'm sorry, Brian. I don't know. I've got to go now. And then goes, oh, and Matt comes out. He just sort of swaggers over just at the moment. It's like a it's like a tiger circling and waiting to see the the, the little antelope that's hanging back at the end. You know, and, you're like, oh, no. and then before we know it. Matt's got his leg in his jaws and he's hauling him off into the bush, you know. He <laughs> <laughs> goes, um, you all right there, Tom? You look a bit shaken up, mate, you know. And he goes, no, no, I'm fine, no, why? Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, just, just know when you're beaten. Oh. I'm a, I must admit. You messed up that deal. You yeah. messed up that deal because you were greedy. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly mm. it. I must admit, I thought it was a, a little slice of genius for um, Brian to ask Tom to be Rory's attorney because actually all you need to do is be a little bit of an advocate. That's all you yeah. have to be, right? Yeah. And I think it was right that you have somebody who was younger, a little bit, a little bit more closer to Rory's age, etc. And I thought Tom could have easily have done that. However, him being knocked 
uh, you know, doubt being put in his mind by Pat. And then what he then says to Justin, you know, says to me, Tom, you're not ready for the big leagues. You know, no. you're, you're not ready at all, are you? And actually, his business acumen and prowess, as far as I'm concerned, has massively regressed from the halcyon yeah. days of, of the Sausage King. <laughs> because you know what? But he's so easily swayed and persuaded, isn't he? Whoever he's last talked to is the person whose point of view is like, Brian says, will you do this? It will be really good. And he says, yes, okay, brilliant. And then he talks to his mum and he's like, I'm going to do this. And she says, oh, I wouldn't. And he says, all right, then I won't. It's just, mm. you know, it's just... He's just like a weather vane. Whoever, whoever, you know which what? direction the last wind was blowing in, that's where that, it goes. That is true because it, didn't Helen want to have some some cheese school uh, a couple of weeks back? Big cheese school, <laughs> and he, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah oh, dear, poor Tom. Mm. I wonder if when he's seventy, we'll still be going. Oh, poor Tom. <laughs> such I, a shame. I, he's such no, a I think so, and that and, and he's going to be unfulfilled as as a businessman, isn't he? Mm. That he's yeah. gonna, you know, he's not going to be the joke character like like Kenton is, but yeah. his schemes will never quite come to fruition. No. He and... overthinks everything. He hasn't got the confidence to just lay his path and say, "This is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to plow ahead and do it, and I'm not going to be swayed by whatever else." Mm. He he sort of got the he's got the talk, but he doesn't actually have the self belief. So whenever he's challenged, he just dumps it and switches direction. Yeah, bless him. Um. Glyn, full of love. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. Uh, it's been a little while since I rang in, mainly because about three months ago, after uh, a very long, uh, happy, unfulfilled life, marred only by a complete lack of interest in the archers, my father departed this, this earth, shuffled off the mortal coil or put it simply uh, he died um and although it wasn't entirely unexpected as many dumpty dummers will know having gone through similar experiences there's then quite a lot of stuff to do um and that's been a bit distracting but at some point one has to get back to doing things that one was doing before such as ringing into dumpty dum and moaning about the archers or complimenting the archers or whatever Anyway, this week it's definitely a moan. It's a moan about two characters. The first character is Phoebe. Phoebe is, I went to a university not dissimilar to Oxford uh, quite a long time ago, I admit. But yes, we did get a lot of reading to do in the summer. And I did my reading after working in a uh, metal factory during the day. And I did my reading in the evening. And then by the end of sort of eight or ten weeks of working in said metal factory, I had enough money to go off travelling with my friends. And that is what I did. And so I have absolutely no sympathy for you. But at least by the end of this week, you do seem to be sort of coming round to realising what life is really about. And then Will Grundy. There's not too much to say about Will Grundy other than he has become a bit of a caricature rather than a character. I think Lucy pointed out last week that he was the sort of good boy of the Grundys many years ago. But ever since the incident, the incidents around uh, Emma and Ed, the scriptwriters have just really sort of turned him into a character that you know I can't really see where any of his his, his current attitudes and views have, have have really come from. But I can't take him seriously anymore. And uh, I just I hope they, he does go off and bat for Darrington or Paxley or whatever it is. And we never really hear of him again in, in Village anymore because I'm just fed up with him. 
thank you very much for the podcast. It's been a great source of entertainment and even strength to me over the last two or three months. Uh, there have been times when it's been good to get away from all of the stuff and just uh, laugh along to uh, Lucy Royfield, Naked Fingers and the rest of you. So thank you all very much. Oh, Glyn, I'm very sorry. We are all full of love for you. Um, that's very uh, sad news about your dad. I'm very sorry. But I'm glad that um, that Dumpty Dum nonsense has cheered you up slightly in any way possible. Ah, yes, but Phoebe and Will Grundy. Phoebe needs to get a sodding job. This will be addressed in later calls, I believe. Will Grundy, what is going on there? You know what? You know, Will Grundy... Will Grundy reminded me of this Real week. Will Grundy, yes. Yeah, yeah. Will Grundy, sorry. Put my teeth in. Right. He is a believable adversary, isn't he? As yeah. antagonists go, you go, you know what? I believe you. Reminded me of Michael Keaton playing the vulture in Spider-Man. Totally believable, Lucy. Totally no, he reminded be- me of. Who? He reminded me of Mike in his early days when he used to go around rowing with everybody. True. And Betty used to have to go around soothing everyone yeah, after yeah. he'd upset him. Dra- dragging him back quite quite literally. You know what? Yes. And of course, Nick is no Betty, though, is she? Though, well, no, no, she actually she is because she but does. But she is. We she never fucking hear her, excuse the language. Uh, New York Nigel said much the same thing. You know, where is she in this? She's a bright woman and she should be there. Not she should be there, but in most storylines, she'd be there sort of balancing him. And she's we've sh- she's shown she can do that. In the last thing when he was kicking off about Emma getting a job. Mm. And she said, well, your mum's a working mum and it didn't do you any harm, apart from the fact you're a psycho. Um, you know, and, and so we know she can do that, but she's just completely silent in this. Mm. And it's such a shame because she's such a good character. I have been slightly struggling with the archers recently, as I've said to you off mic. Just going, mm, not really much going on. And I do think that the, the cricket storyline is... A wondrous thing to behold because it has been two years in the making for us to get here. It's been a very slow boil, uh, but we have we've almost got there, haven't we? Where um, Harrison has saved the team, but at what cost? Yeah, you know, and the cost is men being able to have their balls and play with them all by themselves, quite quite literally. And <laughs> I, and for the sake of Ambridge cricket, I'm like I'm like everybody else. Who cares? Right, yeah. you know, if there's a if there was uh, thirty men willing to play, I yeah. might I might have a different view about it, whatever. Really? But I said I might, Lucy. There is there is something about right um, playing sport. Royfield, you are on thinner ice than no, Torville and no, Dean here. No, no, no. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. I said I might. Right, mm-hmm. I would be more. Um, I don't care about mixed teams. Don't care, right? Um, there are some sports where it is uh, to have gender mixing is going to be more problematic, i.e. rugby, right? It would be more problematic, right? Yes. Okay. Cricket? Who cares? Have women playing? Who cares, right? If there were 40 able, fit, willing men willing to play cricket, Brambridge cricket, and they wanted a men's only team, I'd go, really? But I really wouldn't go man the barricades about it, quite simply uh, because there is something about people who are um, of a community playing together, 
That's all. That's, that's all I would say. So um, there are seat cricket teams. There are mixed cricket teams. There are etc. etc. Cricket teams from Birmingham. Cricket teams from Perry Bar. I you know, I wouldn't man the barricades about a, a group of blokes if there are sufficiently enough of them saying we want to have a, a men's league. It's not a league I'd join necessarily. But I wouldn't man the barricade to say you cannot do that. That's all I'm saying. And as I said, there are some sport, sports where it'd be much more problematic and rugby's the most obvious one. American yeah. football, you, could, you couldn't really do it. The power disparity would be so unequal. Though, I know that there is um, an American college team which Aren't is... Aren't they all wear those great... Big, they look like fridges they're wearing so much flipping well, protection. yeah, and the refrigerator used to play for the Chicago Bulls in the 1980s. But there is an, there is an American college team and they're in effect they're semi-professional who have a female kicker. But that's hmm. a very specific uh, role where... She, she kicks the ball and then runs like hell out of the way while all the refrigerators crash into each other. Quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, and and she's it's a stupid game anyway. Honestly, no, 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 no. It's not. It's a very dangerous one for concussive injuries. But actually, it's um, pretty good game. American football, not for me. I wouldn't get get my son to play. It, but they can sort out those, those uh, concussive, repetitive injuries. Um, it's not a bad game. Anyway, what what were we saying? Will Grundy, Michael Keaton, the Vulture, Spider Man. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> With the brief you've segue into say, American football and back again. Got to, you've got to watch Spider-Man Homecoming, Lucy. It's a most joyous bit of cinema. It's light, it's fluffy, it's enjoyable. It has so much heart, so much heart. And you believe this little kid is Spider-Man because he's only 15. But Michael Keaton, he's a baddie, but you completely understand his motivation. I don't understand Will's motivation, right? But in terms of having believable antagonists that's where the two things kind of line up will is this 3d character i hate to say but there is a little bit of depth to will and and his achilles heel actually is nick isn't it that nick actually she's the one character who she sees through all his pomposity yeah and she can always take him down a peg he never confronts her and comes off the better never ever It's because she's 17 times as bright as him. I think Will's whole sort of raison d'etre is maintain the status quo. Yes. He hates any sort of change. Well, he's a gamekeeper, isn't he? He's a gamekeeper. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. His job is within the feudal system. Mm. You know, I I work for the man and, you know, the man pays me and... For the squire, he works for I've the got squire. My house, and I, I inherited my money, but that doesn't mean I've got to share it. And you know, it's all this sort of real kind of um, right wing nimby kind of hang on to what you've got stuff about Will, and he's very, very uncomfortable when anything when anything mm. changes. Well, he's yeah. also the oldest child, so he's supposed to be more conservative by nature, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, and he is more than just slightly ashamed of, of his family but then that also takes us back to the whole kind of gamekeeping thing that you know his father and grandfather are yeah um what's the word i'm searching for gamekeepers and who, who nicks things from gamekeepers can't remember poachers poachers there you go yeah oh which reminds me donald glover is playing the prowler which is almost like saying the poacher in the new Spider-Man movie. 
But he only has a couple of lines, but it's very good, Lucy. Oh, good. Just saying. Right. Uh, we've, got, we've got another call. We have. With a spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dimmers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I'm experiencing a bit of deja vu. Last August, Phoebe had a brief personality transplant when she contemplated a career in yurts instead of going to Oxford. Thankfully, that only lasted for about a week. This summer, after her first year at school, she came home embracing the persona of a Sloan Ranger, if I have that reference correct. Now, it's interesting. Phoebe was brought up by working-class parents, but had the exposure to her wealthy grandparents. Nevertheless, she always appeared to be well-grounded and to have good values. I can relate to her experience at Oxford, as I grew up in a working-class family myself and attended one of the American versions of that esteemed institution. I received a lot of financial aid and worked in the school dining halls, and nearly half of my fellow undergrads had part-time work. Phoebe noted that she couldn't hold a part-time job during term, and this was corroborated on Twitter by fellow Dumpty Dummers. I bet that she was eligible for some financial aid in the form of loans and grants based on what we would imagine her parents' income is. I did check this online, but the temptation of keeping up with the Joneses at school may have been too great for her. Certainly, we all shouted in derision when she said she couldn't work this summer because she had too much reading to do. Forgive the metaphor. That's a load of bullcrap. The subsequent interplay between Jennifer and Roy seemed realistic. Jenny wanted to be generous granny, and Roy wanted to make sure his daughter wasn't being spoiled. Jenny listened, but still will slip Phoebe some cash here and there. That's life. Phoebe seemed to return to normalcy by the end of the week. So, young lady, if you want to go on holiday with your friends, you better work. Talk to you all soon. Hi there, this is Rachel Thomas, great big show off on the Twitters. I'm just signing to say how utterly annoyed I am with Phoebe for thinking she's too good for getting a summer job and how equally annoyed I am with Jennifer for supporting her in this view. Well done, Roy, who seems to be taking the whole thing very sensibly and having a quiet word with Jennifer. And Phoebe, get your arse in gear, get a job, then go on holiday. You're not going to get to go on holiday with all your Oxford pals just because they've got money and you haven't. Work for your money, spend it on a holiday if that's what you want to do. That's what the rest of the students do. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Yes. Well, this was a very short personality transplant for Phoebe, wasn't it? Because, she, she, you know, she, she sort of within the space of two episodes, she kind of went from us all going, oh, my God, it's Kate. You know, Granny, I don't want to get a job. I don't want to. And then, you know, she had a, a, a she has got, I suppose she has the only way an Aldridge could be tempered would be. That's the same with Alice. Chris kind of tempers. Um, Chris tempers Alice's Aldridge-ness. Um, all dreadfulness by you know he's sort of he doesn't take things for granted he is grateful for what he's got he appreciates that he has to you know everyone has to work for things and everything um and then the Aldridges are always just a financial shortcut oh just throw money at it throw money at it you know and Roy has sort of tempered Phoebe's Aldridgeness uh by saying no you'll you know appreciate it much more it is quite interesting I have we have a family friend who um has just graduated from Oxbridge and I'm trying to work out how to say this. 
I think he would enjoy life a lot more if he had had a job in which he was either cleaning out something unpleasant, working with the public on a daily basis, earning the minimum wage, if he'd actually done something like that. Mm. And I feel the same with Phoebe. We shouldn't bring back national service, but we should bring back every young person, especially those at Oxbridge Colleges, should have to do a job that involves working with the public and cleaning something yucky on a daily basis. Just for a year or so. Mm. Does wonders. Mm. If you're going to say something like that, why stop at Oxbridge Colleges? You know, what about somebody goes to Durham University? Because the difference is most most people from universities have to from normal universe red brick have to do jobs like that they wouldn't have the choice of saying yeah but i don't want to work you know loose listen you know more about this world than me right but i know a a tiny bit about it but it's like but it's it's the university that you go to but also it's your family background isn't it it's Mm -hmm. the the work the financial work for all of of your parents and Mm -hmm. if i go to st andrews Chances are my parents are probably pretty minted. Not necessarily, mm. but chances are. I know, but right? I think for the health, for the the well-being of the child, they should earn their own money. Well, we can get in some, into some water here, uh, which is to do with this supposed Protestant work ethic and, and, and the purity no, of... That. It's nothing no, about it, that. It is loose. It is loose. It, it, is, loose. it, it, it is There loose. is what you are saying, right? And I don't necessarily disagree with it, right? So don't think that I'm I'm lining up against you here. But what you are saying is that work in and of itself is noble. And the crappier and the shittier the work, the more noble it is. And it makes you into an adult. No, that is absolutely not what I'm saying. Ah, that's what I heard. Okay, what did you actually say? What I meant, prob- I probably said that when it wasn't what I meant. <laughs> what I meant was... Hmm. When you, especially when you come from university and especially, especially when you come from a, a one of the sort of the top tier universities, you are living and working in a rarefied atmosphere mm. and you completely lose touch with what faces the majority of people on a daily basis, whether that's people you are working with or people you are serving. Mm. And it also teaches having to do a it teaches you that there is a staggering amount proportion of the british public who are completely potty (laughs) and make irrational demands and you just have to suck it up and get on with it you can't turn around and say oh but this lady's being horrid to me i don't see you you do really believe in national service i don't i just and as a tool of socialization and i use that word um advisably it's not at all a bad thing in terms of building community you go to somewhere like Israel, and I know half the listeners are going, oh my gosh, of all, of all the examples to use, right? And the fact that every adult, though it's not quite every adult, because the author, Orthodox Jews don't go, much to the chagrin of all the liberal ones, um, it does build society and consensus. Uh, and well, well, a hang sense... on, hang on. No, so listen. No. Service, and that absolutely does not build that. Because yeah. if you're wealthy, you can just buy yourself out of it and get a cushy office job. Yeah, but yeah, and also, also with Switzerland, it's um, uh, how long do they have to have their term in the army in Switzerland? I think it's a year or two. And do maybe. they have weekends off? I don't know. 
Whereas I know in Israel, it's at least two, if not three, and it's full on. Like you are there and you are manning those uh, checkpoints. Whereas I'm guessing in Switzerland, and I could be wrong, but I'm guessing in Switzerland... <laughs> there aren't that many checkpoints. <laughs> no. Right. You're making cheese half the time. I'm clocks. You know, let's... Uh... <laughs> in the barracks they're making swiss chocolate and uh, and then they're having weekends off so it's, it's very different from if you're in, in the israeli there's army. a lot of making rotors for whose turn it is in the nuclear shelter that's all i remember about <laughs> <laughs> but but i actually think because you've said this a few times and you says i don't believe in national service i actually think that you do believe in it because you always you always start that's this conversation by saying that you don't <laughs> it's like when someone starts off with i'm not racist but (laughs) i think i think Mm. you have come out of university and you're a little bit full of yourself or maybe you know well just anybody really i think you spend a weekend serving ice cream on a boiling hot day on the minimum wage to a never-ending queue round the block of small children who are clutching the wrong change in their hot hands and you know the ice cream is going to run out that is that is character building (laughs) if you can cope with that when Mm. i was an au pair in switzerland i had to peel the used sanitary towels off my employer's pants before i washed them oh dear and that as well gives you a kind of a sense of um, the awfulness of people, the disrespect shown to people who do uh, menial jobs, the uh, yeah, it just gives you a sense of if you want to. It's also a hell of a driver for making sure you never have to do that again as a job, uh, you know, and it also makes you never, ever, ever take the piss or look down on anybody that does something like that for a living because they have to. Mm. And I think that's what Phoebe could well do with. Mm. But you yourself have said she seems to have gone on this very quick character arc to do with this story. And, <laughs> it was uh, so dark as a jump over a fence, really, was it? It was like, boing, they are done. But to to be fair to our Thebes, right, she's always been, since she's had a real sense of being a character, she's been pretty sensible, hasn't she? And I would... I suppose, Reed, I'm making your point for you. But she goes, but she comes from, if we take the Aldrys just to one side, yes, they're, they're all moneyed, but she is fundamentally a tucker, isn't she? So she grew up with Roy and Haley. She didn't grow up on Aldridge's farm. And she's always had a feet kind of on firmly on the ground. She goes off to Oxford with all the posh knobs and stuff, and all of a sudden she wants to go into railing and she doesn't want to work in the polytunnels. But you know, Roy has uh, reminded her of her ordinary yeah. roots. Yeah. And, I suppose and you know what? To, to be fair to her, right, because there's no way I would have said this at her age. If my grandmother says, oh, I'll give you a secret check, I says, bring them on, Grandma. Yeah. But she didn't. That's <laughs> a real sense. That's a real strength yeah. of character. You know, yeah. let's give her that. She and said, no, it wouldn't be a good t- idea, yeah. Granny. There aren't many teenagers that, that wouldn't take a shortcut to yeah. money if they could now, yeah. even if she has to put on somewhat of a front go down to those polytunnels or work in grey gables do a bit of chambermaiding right yeah i would still have taken the cash yeah yeah but that's because you live in moral turpitude <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking I'm joking 
I tell you uh, just one thing though, right? Just whilst we're on all of this, mm. right? I think we can be somewhat hypocritical, some of us, when we when we talk about Did students. Me? Sorry. Do you mean me? No, 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 no. When you because, say some of us, I assume that means me. Uh, because you, what you're, to me, what you've displayed in this, uh, looking at this topic, is an old-fashioned Protestant view that uh, work maketh the man, make yeah. it, maketh, the, maketh the adult, right? Yeah. And the crappier and the dirtier the work, the more noble it actually is, which is an old Protestant view, which isn't shared necessarily by people who inhabit the Mediterranean. <laughs> it just isn't. But it's very Anglo-Saxon. Whereby I'm presuming that you would line up with... Um, you would line up with people who say we should scrap tuition fees. Eh? What's the link? Oh, because they, they, then they don't need to work. There you go. There you go. No, and, I, uh, no, uh, no, no I, 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 One second, one second, one second, one second. I have a lot of time for the fact that if you're away at university, you should just work at your studies. I've got a lot of time for that. You're not allowed uh, to get a part-time job at Oxford or Cambridge. Uh, let's put those two institutions Sorry. to one side for now, right? But I have a lot of time for, I'm going away to study for three years, four years, whatever the heck it is, that's what I'm going to do. What you do then afterwards, before you get a job, is, an, is, another, is another conversation. So whilst... I think, yes, she's been a bit snotty and, and, and a bit of a brat. And it's amazing that in, this, in the space of three days, she had this about face. Actually, I, I think her arguments were actually quite valid. It's, you know, it's a case of, I'm working really hard. I just want to study, etc., etc. I, I don't really have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that per se at all. But I think all students should be able to just go away and study. What's going to make you to be a well-balanced human being afterwards is, is another conversation. That's for another thing you can attack or correct at another point in your life. But I don't really believe that. I tell you what, then, just before, you, in mm. your, in, before, just before your graduation ceremony, mm -hmm. you have to go and work an ice cream queue for the day. Hey, that as I said, you know... Because I am part of this Anglo-Saxon, overwhelmingly Protestant culture, there is lot, a lot of me thinks of what actually what you're saying makes a lot of moral sense. Absolutely. But for those three years, you know what? Go study your bloody books. Don't take your nose out of them. Yeah, that, that, that's actually what she, I she's believe. She's not saying she wants the money to carry on studying. She wants the money to piss off round Romania with her friend. True that. Right, but, but true that, true that, true that, true that, right? <laughs> no, 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 it's not, because there, there is a deeper, deeper uh, point to be made. And she actually says, right, it's a summer holidays, right? She struggled, she struggled through the year and she shouldn't have to struggle through the academic year. The problem then comes in, she doesn't have the financial wherefore because her parents don't have the money as as other parents, for the parents who are sending their kids to Oxbridge. So then the class divides the end and rears its head. You know, and that's, that's 
slightly another thing. Is she snotty and snivelling, or was she? Yes. I hope, because my children are about to go off to university. Ooh. Noah is two years away. Noah and Maisha are two years away. And I know that their grandparents will be write, writing little checks. Um, and their grandparents are not Aldridge's by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. They're not. right? Ella will probably have some kind of scholarship if she decides to do something arty. So we won't really have to worry about her per se. Um, but are we saying grandparents shouldn't help? Are no, we saying not? Uh, okay, all right. So strictly speaking, what Jennifer did isn't morally wrong, then, right? No, there are many more go, shades of grey. Uh, oh yes, yeah. Granny. And she 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 could have played it with a much straighter bat and still had the same result. You know, you know, Phoebe's tell tell me about university. Oh, this and that, this and that, this and that. She could have played it much straighter, as opposed to playing a grandmother like she's playing an old fiddle, right? But then again, Jennifer's not stupid either, because Jennifer's heard all this before, and also, she's the first member of Jennifer's family to go to Oxbridge. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't Jennifer be? You know, is it, there yeah. are many more shades of grey in this that than we all just initially look at it and take away from and that's really my main point because actually i kind of agree with everybody that you know what go get yourself a job but when i sit down and think about it um well why is it i'm against tuition fees why is it i'm against you know because actually i believe that students should you know it should be an equal playing field through not only statutory education but higher and further education and actually there isn't and that's partly the reason why phoebe's like oh you know i need a hard drive you know, it wasn't mm. all about frocks, was it? She said, no. I need a hard drive. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Any rolls up. Who's next? Oh, Jojo Sexy Heels is next. All right. One of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. It's Jojo Sexy Heels here. Um, no musical comments this week. I was just wondering about Bridge Farm. Why would a family who have built their reputation on organic foods and have had all of the trauma of the E. coli outbreak and their ice cream and the, all the palaver that we had with Brenda Tucker trying to sort of bury it under good news feeds on Google and all of that, why on earth would Tom Archer be deciding that fermented foods was the way forward when the whole point of fermented foods is developing bacteria that you're going to add to the food in order to change what it's like supposedly for the greater good? I know there's been lots of stuff recently about kimchi and all these other things. Wonderful. I'm sure they are absolutely fabulous for your gut. But if you've got an E. coli reputation that you want to keep buried, why promote something that is about another form of bacteria? It's going to come back to the top on Google. I'm telling you, it is. Okay, that's my thoughts. Do you know, Jojo, I had not thought about that at all, introducing the concept of fermented food to a farm that's already taken two years to shake off (laughs) the the bacteria. of the E. coli. Yes, that is quite unfortunate. I still don't... Have you had... You've, have you, you've had kimchi, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Mm-hmm. It's all right, isn't it? Foreign muck. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> what about kefir? No. No. See, I know Tom is all about, you know, it's so healthy and everything, but I'm really not sure. Can you imagine anybody in Ambridge apart from Linda eating it? Kate would. Yeah, okay. Yes, I suppose, yes. They, they eat, but, mm, but she doesn't do food, though, does she? I mean, in terms of... <laughs> I don't, no, I mean at her, at her stupid spiritual home. At, I can't really see that there is a gigantinormous market for it that he keeps talking about. I don't know either, but I'm not a foodie foodie anyway, so all that stuff's slightly lost on me. You know? It's nothing you can really get excited about, kimchi and kefir. To me, for me, and and you know, what would no? I don't, I don't know because these things um, kind of start off by being somewhat kind of faddish, and then twenty years later down the line, you've got sushi and pret a manger, and and everybody has it for lunch. So you know, you kind of sneer and mock uh, at your peril because you know time will tell with with a lot of this stuff. Twenty years ago, halloumi cheese, please. Now, you know. That's what exactly. the call it, squeaky cheese. Squeaky rubber cheese, yeah. yeah. Lovely, lovely stuff. I love it. <laughs> and, but seriously, 20 years ago, definitely 30 years ago, if you'd have said British High Street for lunch, that will be, you know, there'll be shops yeah. with sushi, you'd have laughed. <laughs> and okay, it's a westernised version of sushi, but it's recognisable yeah. as sushi. Yeah. So, yeah. hmm. Anyway, I still agree with Jojo Sexy Hills that the idea of bringing more bacteria to Bridge Farm is <laughs> with Clary. Well, Clary's house. not around. <laughs> Just get Clary Wash out of the way. Hands, Clary. Oh God. Um. And now Louise Lombard. Hi, Lucy Royfield. Uh, fingers, Millie Bell, and Yokel Bear. Um, I'm not sure if that sounds like the worst stag night in the year, members of the Craze Gang uh, or a firm of solicitors, but there you go. It's Lou Lum from Bristol uh, just calling in about the fate, basically. I love the fate. I'm coming to the end of my um, junior PTA years and it just rings so many memories. People swearing it's going to be their last year. Can so-and-so do the same stall that they've been doing since the 70s? I know people moan about it. I just really love the sense of continuity that it brings. And this is controversial. I feel the same about the panto. <gasps> anyway, that's going to cause some uh, debate. Anyway, really enjoying Fingers on the show. Lovely combination with Lucy. And uh, you guys have a good time. Cheers. I do like the fact that you've shortened you've shortened his name to Fingers rather than Naked. That's much better. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. Do you know? Yes. I know what you mean about the fate, and it did when you said about bringing back memories of um, of uh, the uh, the school, the primary school fate. I mm. used to do it every year, and it is one of the joys of my life that I no longer have to. And one of my favourite memories of our primary school summer fate when I used to help, I was only allowed to sell fairy cakes, and I could only sell them if they were either a pound or 50 pence, because (laughs) my maths was so rubbish, I couldn't give change for anything more complicated than 50 pence or a pound. And they said, but they don't cost 50 pence or a pound. And I said, well, I'm sorry, if you want me to run this stall, that is what they're going to be. Um, You can tell how popular I was. Anyway, um, but one of my favourite memories was the, the year we decided to get a bit advanced and bring a candy floss maker 
to the uh, to the school fete. And we were assured how easy it was. We watched a demonstration. We had all the pink sugar and uh, everything and the wandy things that you twiddle around and it's all very exciting. And I walked past and the ladies were sort of wrestling with the machine, getting it all set up. Then I walked back again about 20 minutes later and there was a stiffish breeze that day and the woman standing next to it looked like she'd been frosted. She was completely covered from head to foot (laughs) with frosted pink sugar where she'd been twirling it around, sort of experimenting. The wind had taken it and just absolutely spangled her (laughs) (laughs) in this candy floss. And she walked through the playground and children were screaming and running to their mothers. And she had to go and try and melt it off. Oh, God, it was very funny. But yes, so I don't mind the actual fate in Ambridge. What drives me mad in the same way that the, oh, we can't get anybody to be in the play, the Christmas play. Oh, look, we found somebody to be in the Christmas play. And oh, look, they've accidentally turned out to be brilliant in the same way that we have. Oh, we can't find anyone to run the fate. We can't get a celebrity guest. Oh, someone's just remembered their best friend, the Jane Judy Dench. Let's have her. You know, it's that sort of thing Mm. that gets on my wick. I'm inclined to agree with you. (laughs) <laughs> but they managed to trot out the same storyline. I know. And everyone, no one goes, oh, come on. Well, no. I wouldn't say no one because, well, we, because you do. We let them get away with it, though, don't I we? Know, That's know. the thing. Because <laughs> we love them. Right. Vicky Kuhl has sent us an email. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. From well, the email sunny- just walked in through the door. Yeah, it has. and gone away again, having made a strange gesture and disappeared. <laughs> Greetings, everyone, from sunny Winnipeg on a long dreamed of trip across Canada by train, which has proven to be wonderful. Clearly, the highlight of the holiday was a dumpty dum mini meetup in Toronto. 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 It was wonderful to meet Mary, not contrary, and Victoria Littler. Thanks for organising, ladies. Between us, we found so many parallels with the Archers our daily lives. Canada, which is the Archers' naughty step, the Isle of Wight Festival Mm -hmm. and the goings-on there with Chris and Alice and more recently Freddie and Johnny and Ride, where I used to live, which is where I think Helen and Rob got secretly married. Mm. We agreed that Jin's story is nonsense, absolutely, and that we didn't think the Lily and Justin nuptials will happen. Mm -hmm. Now, she is in London on 18th and the 19th of September and free in the daytime if anyone fancies more gin or tea and lemon drizzle or all together. Um, She's uh, been very busy, so she hasn't contacted us recently. But anyway, she says thanks to everyone. Lots of love. So anyone that's around on the 18th or 19th of September in the daytime and wants to have a Dumpty Dum meetup with lovely Vicky Cole, then get in touch with her via us, I suppose. Yes, via us. Mm, Yeah, do that. Now, Lord Louise, Will is a twat. If harassment resigns, who will be captain? No one wants the job. Any victory for Will is definitely Pyrrhic. She is excited about Justin exposing Max Con, but he needs to keep an eye on the bouncing ball that is Lillian. He has clearly not been meeting her needs lately. And if she's given up on Matt, that contractor sounded handsome. He did sound handsome. (laughs) Welsh, Philip. And I will admit that Tom did well this week to swallow his pride, warn Justin about Matt and graciously and honestly back out of the bogus deal. Re, Rory and Brian. Keep up the good work, Tom. You are almost not hysterically inept. Thanks, everybody. Lord Louise. Damn it with faith praise there. Almost not hysterically enough. I couldn't disagree more. The whole thing about him being uh, the attorney for Rory, 
is he could have actually learnt quite a bit from actually being sat in those meetings about how to negotiate, you know, the real worth of things, etc. And there's no financial downside for him. So he's not going to lose any money by it. But he could, this is a great way, in effect, to be mentored and actually to see a family boardroom, but a boardroom actually in action. Yeah. So I couldn't disagree more about that. He, he, he messed up spectacularly. He should have done it because there's no downside for him. He had no money on the line. He wasn't going to lose anything. Yeah, but if he disagreed with Uncle Brian about anything, that would have jeopardised any future dealings he has with Uncle Brian. No, but, and but, as but Uncle the, Brian is basically not true because Adam, Adam, Adam frequently disagrees with Brian. But there, there's a way of disagreeing, though, isn't there? It's not just a case of, oh, I don't want to do this or I think uh, in, in Rory's best interest we should do that. You know, you come backed up with, with some with some evidence and some reasons for, for believing that, as Adam does. So Adam has got um, Brian to believe, at least in part, in the herbal lays in a way that Brian didn't at all at first. So it's wrong to say you cannot go against Brian. You, you, you actually can. Brian and um, Adam rub along don't they they don't always get along but they rub along and i think each of them begrudgingly sees the value in the other even though we'll never admit it at the time right yes maybe i don't know Mm, i don't know well brian hasn't been to adam off has he and says right you can't do this job can you imagine what jennifer would do but listen he's no utter numpty brian either he knows that adam is for all of his ideals of being a custodian of the land and being in the husbandry of it and not exhausting the soil, Brian knows he's a very effective manager of the farm's enterprise. Yes, he thinks that Debbie's probably more capable, but Debbie's physically not there, is she? No. He knows that Adam can do a job. He's not going to have built up that business since, what, he, Brian Aldridge came into the Arches in the early 1970s. So, what, some 40-odd years just to give it to his stepson, just to have him fritter it away. He wouldn't give it to Kate, would he? So it's not just the fact that this is a family member. This is a capable family member who he doesn't necessarily agree with all the time. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be unknown for Tom to make a catastrophic decision, would it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. Wouldn't be out of character, really. <laughs> and also, Tom, catastrophic decision, Archer. <laughs> also, if um, Tom was going to do or propose something which is really going to impact on Rory further down the line, I think Brian would actually step in and say, "Actually, no," because yeah. Rory is yeah. his son. Yes. Yes. You know, I'd say Tom's in a in a no lose here. You know, he could have just yeah. sat down. And actually gone to how many family meetings would have actually been a year? I don't know, six, five, four. I don't know. The hardly every, every time month. Jennifer fancies having a nice lunch. That's what seems to be <laughs> the, 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 um, the herald of it, really. You know, so in terms of a time constraint, not that much time. Mm. And he could have just learned. Mm. Just silly ass is old Tom. He always <laughs> makes a wrong move. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Cool stunt. Oh, Email stunt. All right. Okay. Just very quickly, let's take an advertisement break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, hello. This is a message for Lucy. I just wanted to wish her a happy birthday for Tuesday, 27th of June. I hope you had a lovely day. I may have Neil wondered if you wanted to come round for a bite to eat one evening. Neil suggested we make it chilly. So, anyway, ta <laughs> Hello, I'm Lucy, and this is Walkie Talkie. I walk my dog, Basil, uh, pretty much every day in a foresty bit of London. Um, I have been doing so for about four years, and I meet people that, as a dog walker, you talk to people. Um, If your dogs get on, you tend to just, you say, which way are you going, can I come with you? and you just sort of amble along and you can end up having the most extraordinary conversations. Partly because uh, you are walking side by side and facing front, so there's no embarrassing eye contact. If things get a bit heavy, if someone starts talking about something that they find emotional or difficult, then you can always divert your attention onto the dogs and relieve the tension a little bit. 
We've seen, as a group of dog walkers, we've seen um, people get pregnant, have children. We've seen people whose dogs have become ill and died and the owner says, oh, I can never have another one. And then in a couple of months time, they appear with a puppy and everyone's delighted to see them. And um, we've seen people's marriages break down, new romances start. It's a lovely way to start your morning. It never fails to give me something something nice to think about, something interesting to think about, even if it's not nice. And having a dog is a sort of a, a universality, really. The people aren't all like me, as I hope you'll realise over the course of the series. Leading up to the 1860 election, in walks a gentleman by the name of Abraham Lincoln, who is the Republican candidate. The Republicans to the South represent the ending of slavery. And Lincoln, despite the fact that his sentiment was always in the beginning to preserve the Union rather than to abolish slavery, becomes the lightning rod of anti-Southern sentiment. And he ends up winning the election in 1860 with no support from the South. The Guardian, Manchester, Tuesday, November 20th, 1860. Summary of news, foreign. The details respecting the presidential election furnished by the New York journalist, not complete, but they not only assure us of Mr. Lincoln's election, but show that the Republican Party has obtained far more than the requisite number of votes for his return. It is calculated that New York, Pennsylvania, the New England states, New Jersey, and the Northwestern states give him 171 electoral votes, or 19 more than the majority required for the election, the total number of electoral votes being 303. It is not improbable, too, that this majority may be further swelled by the result of the elections in the Pacific states of Oregon and California. We have no account of the manner in which the Southerners have received the intelligence of Mr. Lincoln's election. The next advices will no doubt be filled with fierce Southern declamations and protest, but it's not very likely that any Southern states will do anything mere than talk loudly about succession. Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes from Washington to Obama. 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. Hello, Dumb to Dumb, it's Yokel Bear here, calling with the social media roundup. you got me this week because Millie Bell's still on her international globe-trotting travels. Starting with the forum, and I have noticed there's a bit of Russian spam has appeared on the forum, and I've reported that to Royfield. Um, that's, you know, 
internet spam, not meat in a can. Um, but two things caught my eye. First of all, there was um, a, um, a post uh, by Fat Friend um, about speculating who Harriet Vane is. Well, we kind of knew by the end of the week, didn't we? Um, it's Linda. We all knew. Um, but I love the fact, and this is mentioned by Purple Pumpkin, the Dorothy L. Sayers mysteries being the giveaway. I love the Dorothy L. Sayers mysteries. I love murder mysteries like that. So I really enjoyed that little bit of plot line this week. But we all knew it was Linda. Um, Fiona Powell posted that the storyline she can't wrap her brain around is this whole Lillian being anxious about her age. Um, yeah, that, that bugged me as well. But I think um, Janice Pope, I think, has come up with an explanation when she said that she thinks it's an indication that she uh, she feels that she can't be truly herself with Justin, revealing feelings of insecurities and doubts about committing. Yeah, you look at the, the difference between Lillian talking to Matt and Lillian and talking to Justin, I think there's trouble ahead. Um, we also started the week talking about Will, which is a bit of a grim way to start the week. Um, but we've, um, you know, he's, he's not very popular at the moment. D Nichols said, and I think D Nichols here speaks for the nation, Will is a twat and a swift F off normally works wonders. Um, Claire Asprey said she used to quite like Will, or at least had some sympathy because he was treated badly by Emma. But he's turned into a complete ass now. And I think that's what um, that's what most people thought. There were so many posts saying, yes, yes, he's awful, isn't he? Um, and I think that's the case. Lexi Hohansis makes a good point, though. which says, all I can think is that Will's wife hasn't got wind somehow of his petulant misogyny. Um, yeah, I think Nick and Clary will have a lot to say about what he's doing. Let's watch this space. We also had um, a thread because of the mention of Neville Booth and his um, surprising toupee. Um, I asked, Who's this, who are people's favourite silent characters? Well, we had some winners by a mile. Everyone loves the Button Girls. Um, Sarah Squire says they're just like characters from Just William. Um, yes. Um, it's so much love for Molly Button. Well, love. I think just everyone thinks she's a wonderful character, even though she hasn't said anything. Um... Tessa Herring, though, said Fat Paul was her favourite, who, in her mind, is played by Eddie Yates from Crossroads. Yes, that's exactly how I imagine him as well. Um, though Al Williams said of Neville Booth, a toupee, an outrageous slur. I've known Neville for years, and it's all his own hair. I bet it isn't, Al, but, you know, you can get him looking really, really realistic these uh, these days, can't you? Um, we also talked a little bit about um, Phoebe, um, and her being a little bit spoilt this week. Shelley Crockett said, I think Roy and Haley will and should be furious um, when and if they find out that Phoebe has gone to Jenny pleading poverty. Um, yeah, well, by the end of the week, we'd seen that Roy was, you know, he was not impressed. Um, though Nicholas Barnes said, Phoebe's studying at Oxford. Why didn't someone say? Yes, you're absolutely right, Nicholas, because, like, Jenny's hardly ever mentioned it. Um... We also had a bit of a appreciation thread for the new character in Ambridge, the one that I think we were all loving the most, Hilda Ogden, the cat from hell. Cat um, Wern says, they perfectly captured how blind owners can become to their cat's nightmarish qualities. Yeah, Hilda Ogden is a nightmare. Um, 
Anthony Ogden said, I'm allergic to most cats, but this is one I dose up on antihistamines to meet. Yeah, but Anthony, she'll... <laughs> Hilda will probably see you off just like everyone else. Pam Crookshank, though, says, I'm hoping Will sneaks her into Will Grundy's, quote, kit bag. Yes. So, yeah, that would be a fitting justice for uh, for Will. Anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, you got me again next week, you lucky people. Um, so, keep posting, and I'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Uh, Lucy. Yeah. Uh, can you hit us with some tweets? Uh, we need to speed up now. Oh, oh right, okay. Oh, no, uh, no, no, because of me. I've been somewhat long-winded. Okay. Can I do my thing about the quiz first? Of course you can. Okay. I'm having a Dumpty Dum quiz on September mm-hmm. the 8th. Well, Dumpty Dum, as far as it can be Dumpty Dum without the Royfman. Um, Derek Fletcher will be there with some feasibly large equipment. Uh, and also Parvel and possibly some special guests, if we're lucky. It's in aid of refuge and it'll happen at the Rose and Crown pub, which is in Walthamstow on the Victoria Line in London. And it starts at seven o'clock. It does very, the pub does very good real ale. And the quiz itself will veer between the ludicrous and the serious. And you can book up via Eventbrite. Ooh. And if you look at our Twitter feed. Fancy schmancy. Clever, yes. Clever Yokel Bear has made it the pinned tweet. So you can book your. And if you're not in a team, we can find you nice people to be in a team with. Awesome. You know what I was thinking of doing before I mm-hmm. go back to America land? I was actually thinking of doing a little dum-de-dum meetup in Brum. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Kerry Davis says he'll come along. So, oh, yeah. So, if you're in the Brum stroke uh, West Midlands area, bear with me. I think I'll try and dig out a date in the next week and then get it publicised on the next Dumpty Dum. But I'm going back to America land at the end of August. So, it has to be uh, before then. Right. Why are you laughing? Um... <laughs> I want to go to my own dumpty dum in my own hometown. What's I know you about do. That? I know someone's just sent me a very funny text, which is just. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were laughing me at me no, saying, no, 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 "How no. dare he organise an event before he goes away?" <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Autocorrect is a marvellous thing. Can I just say? <laughs> anyway, um, yes, right. Now you're supposed to say if any of you are hanging around Tadcaster. Oh. Uh, but wait a minute. Have we done tweets of the week? Are we going to do that? Oh, okay. Right, smashing. Talking about meetups, folks. If any of you are hanging around Tadcaster in Yorkshire and fancy a dum de dum meetup, Zoe is organising one at the end of July. The action will happen at Everything Good Goes from 6 p.m. on Friday, the 29th of July. Get in touch with her via the forum and have a rocking Tadcaster Friday. Now, Lucy. Yeah. Can you hear us with some tweets, please? I can. Flighty Rachel. I love how passionate Jill is about the cafe she's known about for four days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jam Spangle. When Christine enters a room, it's like someone just left. (laughs) She's something of a vacuum. Uh, Olympians. Phoebe and Kate. The yoga mat does not fall far from the unbalanced chakra. That's very true. (laughs) Uh, Colonel 27. Thanks, Pat. I've got some fireworks that could do with pissing on. Can you pop round? <laughs> <laughs> and Sally Annerly is Tweet of the Week about the new bathroom is finished. Lillian. I think I'll take a bath. Will you join me, Justin? Me. Banksy the first dump. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> you have some rather feral uh, archers fans. Oh, you hear me? <laughs> right, folks. It's time to start wrapping things up. Um, dumdydum.com. Go there. It's a website. It's got all your dumdy dogs, mogs, uh, Lucy's monologues. Obviously, you can listen to the show there. And it's also got a forum. Mugs, dogs and monologues, that's what it should be called. Yes, well done. And also got a forum, and you can go and forum to your heart's content uh, for people who maybe don't want to do it on Facebook, because maybe they don't even have a Facebook account or whatever. But go on there, there's stuff happening on the forum. Don't forget, it's also got the shop, you can get your dumbly dum swag, your t-shirts, your merch, your your mugs, uh, with our wondrous logo on. Map Corner this week, the winner, I'm only going to do the one, comes from Hannah Wibley. And it shows some of the oddest place names in the UK. Now, Lucy, just very quickly, just do a couple of these. Just do a couple, right? Guess where, approximately where Dull is. Oh, it's got to be in the Midlands somewhere. Screw you. You're so rude. <laughs> Why would it I be in the Midlands? I come from the Midlands. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Where do you think Northamptonshire is? Smack well, bang in the middle. No, but it's one of those funny bits, though, isn't it? It's almost, almost kind of East Anglia. It's almost, it's really, culturally, it's the south of England. Is it L? You've never oh, been there. Oh, come on. Never Kevin, You're kidding. Anyway, Dull is in the middle of the Highlands. Uh, what about Netherwallop? Where's that? <laughs> oh, that's in the Cotswolds. Really? It's in Oxfordshire, isn't it? Mm, looking at that's Hampshire Oxfordshire. here. Hampshire. Oh. How about Crapstone? <laughs> Crapstone. Yorkshire. Mm, Devon. Brown Willie. No. <laughs> I kid ye not. There is, is that a where town. you're from? <laughs> it's what I have. It's what I have. <laughs> Brown Willie um, is either Devon or it could even be Cornwall. It's right on the border there because we're not looking at county borders on this map. Crackpot. <laughs> Uh, we're looking at kind of kind of uh, North Yorkshire there. Um, uh, let's just end up with uh, a very last one: great snoring. <laughs> Wherever Christine Barford lives. <laughs> hey, Norfolk. But there's some there's some great ones there: fatty head, broken wind, <laughs> wig wig. <laughs> so thank you for that. That is definitely our map of the week. And now, folks, I haven't asked this for a little while, but can you please go onto iTunes if you haven't done so ever before and just write us a little review. It's super duper important because it helps get us up those iTunes charts, which actually means we get more listeners. Uh, and we, we like new listeners and more listeners because then uh, it's just a bigger community of dumdy dummers. So that's awesome. So please go onto iTunes, write us a review. Or if there is another kind of podcatching service where you can write a review, go onto that and write us a review. And uh, we'll be thanking you muchly. Now, Lucy, mm-hmm. in red. Oh, sorry. If you would like to keep our little show on the road, there are two ways this can be done. You can donate by hitting the donate button on the site or you can sponsor us via patreon.com. Or if you work for a company that's very rich and wants to uh, sponsor us uh, and uh, get your business message across to 35,000 fantastic people like you then give us the contact details of your marketing person and we will harass them until they give up and sponsor us hurrah <laughs> remember folks to get in contact you can send us a message via 
speak pipe on our website or you can call us on 0203031310 to leave us a message on an ordinary phone on social media specifically twitter you can find us where we are at dumdy dum me i'm at royfield and lucy is at lucy v freeman on facebook uh you can find us by simply typing in dumdy dum and um much fun and hilarity is had there any last words freeman did you get the radio one job <laughs> this this is not for for, for broadcast <laughs> I just wondered. <laughs> I just suddenly remembered well, that I hadn't asked people. I, I, I don't think that I have, but I haven't okay. heard that I haven't. But now now we're back on air. Um, any last thoughts, Lucy V. Freeman? Sorry. Um, no. I have hmm. thought all my thoughts. Tell you what I thought was extremely charming other than Spider-Man Homecoming, which I can't get over to people, is such a lovely cinematic experience forget the fact that it's you know somebody in a suit doing daring do's and trying to trying to say save the planet it's full of heart and um, and actually it's a teenage high school movie and if you liked those 80s john hughes movies which i kind of didn't at the time because i wanted to be all artsy farty and deep and 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 meaningful um that's what it is it's just a bunch of teenage kids and, and it's just an absolutely lovely two hours to be spent um you know just just watching this whole thing just unfold glow glamorous ladies of wrestling on netflix watch that for um another similarly warm fuzzy feeling inducing bit of drama so the setup is it's the 1980s and um this rather somewhat sleazy schlock film director has has this gig to create female wrestling for the small screen and he gets a couple of ex-actors to play well not ex-actors um actors who are somewhat down on their look one of them that actually isn't so much down on her look and has this ragtag bobtail team of uh, female characters that come for this wrestling ensemble it's very similar to orange is the new black in terms of you know it's all all women together but it has a lot of heart and, and it's absolutely lovely. So Glow, Glamorous Ladies of Wrestling, it's on Netflix. Go watch that. It's fab. Okay, then it? I will. <laughs> I wasn't just directed at you to the great dumdy dummers around the world. I know, I'm just giving you some affirmation. All right, are you reading any clever books, classic books at the what moment? What am I reading at the moment? No, I'm reading a book called Razor Girl by Carl Hyacin, which is very good. Ooh, what's the premise of that? Um, it's about, he always writes about scammers in Florida and mm. uh, he's very funny. Right. Yes. Mm. Mm. Okay, bye. <laughs> All right then, you.